Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Cell Ministries. How are you doing this morning, Kurt? I'm doing well, man. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well. And uh, if you are listening to well us... Well as well? Yeah, I'm doing real good. <laughs> well times two. Well, if you're just listening for the very first time, and you're probably thinking, well, this was a mistake. <laughs> we, are, we are a show for men by men. We just talk about things from a guy's perspective, and uh, Solid Steps Radio exists uh, we talk to the guys. We know lots of ladies listen, but we're really, our audience is guys. And we say, guys, you can talk about sports and you can talk about politics only so much. Those are not the things of eternity. They have some implications and they're fun to watch and sometimes not so fun. But the reality of it is you were made for more than that. And we believe that you have a destiny and that destiny is to walk with God and to be his son through Jesus Christ. That is fulfilling your destiny. And we just want to talk about what does that look like in life. And we are not a magic bullet. You can't listen to our show and say, hey, I'm never going to have a mistake. Or I'm never going to sin again. That's not what we are. We're a show by sinners for sinners, right? But <laughs> we're also, we're not really sinners. We're saints in Jesus Christ. We're new creation. And what does that mean? Well, we talk about all kinds of things. Saints who sin. Yes, we are. But we are trying to walk through life and look at the world as the way we're supposed to look at it. Speaking of looking at the world, Kurt. We were talking about country music earlier. You're more of a country music fan than I am. I'm not, I don't hate country music, but it's not my preference, okay? But I do like some of the classics. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, well, I like the classics <laughs> country. Now, do you know who John Conley is? Does that name ring a bell? It's, he, not, it's he, not ringing a bell right now. He had now. one song. I need another cup of coffee, Well, he had one song that was his song. Yeah. And the name of that song was Rose Colored Glasses. And here's the, the, the verse in that song that keeps repeating. He says, but these rose colored glasses that I'm looking through show only the beauty because they hide all the truth. Mm-hmm. And the song was about looking through rose colored glasses. And he says, you're basically not looking at reality in that song. So all that good biblical history from a John Conley song back in the 1970s. Well, today we're talking to an author that talks about looking through glasses, but not necessarily rose-colored glasses. And what does that mean to look through glasses in a way that we're supposed to look and what looking at the truth and how it benefits other people. Well, you know, Chad, it, it, because it, it's going to we're going to talk about leadership today and I love uh, Tom Harper's heart. Tom, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, great to be here. Um, you know, uh, Tom, you uh, w- when I think about leadership, I, I I just get so incredibly pumped when I think of the the person of Jesus. In fact, I I, I this last week I got to talk to a guy who played for Florida State uh, for the uh, football team down there under Bobby Bowden, and uh, and he played in the NFL for a while, and and we were talking about the person of Jesus, and he's like, uh, I just I said, you have to understand, well, our calendar is based on the the life and ministry of Jesus, and his leadership has just, uh, I mean, we're here today because of his extraordinary leadership, yeah, and. Uh, you have been fascinated ever since I've met you. I don't. I don't it's one of I've been fifteen years probably. At least, yeah. Um, you've been fascinated with the life of Jesus and leadership. How in the world did that happen, Tom? Well, I first got interested in leadership when I was when I was first working, and uh, I realized that in order to be successful in the marketplace, you had to be a good leader. Mm. And so I picked up. Uh, John Maxwell's books. Uh, he's the leadership guru of this world, and uh, and at the time I didn't know he was also a pastor before he was a leadership expert. <clears throat> and 
Uh, and so I started learning the basics of leadership. I started learning what it took to be successful in whatever job you were in. And I realized that uh, as I dreamt about my future, uh, I wanted to be a leader. You know, I, I, I wanted to, but at that time, what leadership meant to me was success, mm. money, job, position, uh, recognition, and and popularity, those kinds of things. Many times that that comes about, but that's not really the right. heart of leadership, especially the heart of, of Jesus, the greatest leader who's ever yeah. lived. Yeah. So I, I became a Christian uh, in uh, the 90s, and when I did that, I went to a Promise Keepers rally, and I started learning about Jesus' leadership and being what, what a man should be like and, and what an adult, you know, what, what a, a true follower of Jesus looked like. And I started learning about his leadership, and, and my, my interest in leadership really kind of pivoted at that point because I realized that he was the greatest leader, and all of John Maxwell's stuff was based on the Bible, <laughs> and that was a revelation to me. And so I started investigating uh, the biblical side of leadership and the biblical principles. And as I went down that path, I discovered uh, servant leadership, you know, Ken Blanchard, uh, and all his works, Lead Like Jesus, those kinds of things, and I was just fascinated to learn more. And, and so fascinated that you wrote a book yeah. about biblical leadership and uh, describe just a little bit of, of what you wrote in that book. This one? Well, no, the, uh, the, your first book. Uh, the first one was called Leading from the Lion's Den, uh, Leadership Principles from Every Book of the Bible. So you took all 66 books. Yep. And the interesting story behind the story is that I, I wrote this manuscript, and, and the vision was one principle from every, every book of the Bible. And so I turned it into my publisher, uh, and he said, you know, this was just not exactly what I was looking for. Can you redo it? And this was after a year of reading the Bible and just taking forever, you know, taking all hours of the day to figure this out. So I went through it again. And the reason he said was because it just was too basic. So I went back through and I struggled with like the minor prophets, Habakkuk, and some of these <laughs> less, lesser known books of the Bible. What leadership principle can I pu pull out of that? But I was amazed at what God revealed to me. And I think he will reveal to any leader who dives into the Bible. Uh, you have in that book uh, a bunch of leadership characteristics of Jesus. J yeah. just, give, just give us a few of those. Well, as I went through the whole Bible, I started pulling out keywords, you know, because in today's world of social media and the internet, everything is about keywords, search engine optimization, things like that. Um, so as I was reading, I started pulling things. There's really two buckets. Uh, there was a, a, a bucket of things that Jesus did and also one that he was or is. Mm -hmm. So a few of the things from what he did... Uh, he rebuilt the broken, uh, he passed the baton well, he saw the long view, he listened closely to people, uh, he accepted change well, he got into debates when it mattered, he resisted negativity, he, he ruled humbly, he allowed mistakes, he built people's energy. So those kinds of things you know, were fascinating to me because... Mm, those are very fascinating. They were spread throughout the entire Bible. They weren't just in the Gospels, but as I was just discovering these things in the Old Testament... And I started studying his life more closely. I realized all these keywords I pulled out of the Old Testament applied in the New Testament. Of course, right? Yeah. Uh, and then a few <laughs> things that describe him that, that are more character traits. Uh, he was creative. He was focused, friendly, moral, 
compassionate, content, concerned with details, patient, dramatic, flexible, observant, efficient, adaptive, scarred, truthful, and merciful. And these, these are all character traits that we all want as leaders. Well, and, and when, again, when you think about the great leadership of Jesus, uh, you know, a- after he left this earth, a hundred years after he left this earth, was his influence, because that's, you know, I, I, John Maxwell talks about, you know, leadership is influence. Um, how, was, how, how was his leadership a hundred years after he hadn't walked on this earth? I mean, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. F- fast forward 500 years. He mm-hmm. hasn't walked this earth. How's his leadership? Yeah. It's, it's continuing to influence a thousand years after his death, burial, and resurrection. He hasn't walked this earth in a thousand years. It's continuing to increase. And that's what fascinates me because his, his principles and character traits are still relevant for today, even though they didn't have iPhones back then. <laughs> and they didn't have social media. They didn't have a lot of the things that we have and a lot of types of companies and organizations that we have. So that takes you back to the basic principles, the basic biblical, powerful truths that you can apply to leadership. And, and you really, I, I, I love... Uh, you, that you read John Maxwell, and I love you to read Ken Blanchard, and uh, you know some of the great, you know, good to great Jim Collins, and mm-hmm. some of the great, great resources that we have available to us. But you, you personally keep saying to me and to others, but we got to keep going back to the Bible, yeah, because right. it all starts and ends really with Scripture. That's true. That's true. It's the foundational truth for life and leadership, and everything in between, and love and relationships and family and friendships and personal uh, mental states and future dreaming about your career and your ministry and uh, what you're going to be when you grow up. You can, all, you can find all that in the Bible. It's not easy sometimes to pull it out and apply it, but it's there. You know, and uh, Tom, talk to the listener right now just real quickly. Um, this is not about leading, be, becoming a CEO and, and leading a F- Fortune 500 company. Right. This is, it, it could mean that, but it, it really means leading your family. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other really cool thing about all these uh, biblical leadership principles is they, they apply to any context you find yourself in. So if you're a coach, if you are a homeschool mom, if you are leading a small group, if you are a pastor, if you are a student and you have friends, you can lead them. And these principles apply in any situation, military, sports, you name it. And they work. They obviously have to adapt to the context uh, because some of the same principles don't work between war and love, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to apply the same principles in the same exact way. Wow. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk more with Tom. He's written a book called Through Colored Glasses. Notice the title Rose is not Rose is not in that title, right? (laughs) Through Colored Glasses. We're going to talk and unpack that book about how you as a leader can look through colored glasses and how that will affect your leadership style and the people who are following you. So we're going to be back shortly. We'll take a break here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. We thank you for listening, and we are with Tom Harper today. He is the author of the book, Through Colored Glasses. And speaking of glasses, if you need some new glasses, and I wear, and I care, you need to go to Vision First. 
They are a great organization. They take care of the person, uh, not just the eyes. And that is their care and their heartbeat. And we also want to thank LNN Credit Union. They are a local lender, but they do more than just lend money. They want to help the community and they want to help you reach your financial goals in regards to um, your money and your investments. Uh, but also Dan Hart, he helps uh, Dan Hart Financial. He helps you take your money that LNN is, you put your money in LNN's bank and then you pull it out to go put it to Dan Hart so he can invest it and you can have retirement. That's what Dan Hart does. If you want to have a biblically based retirement and you got to figure that out of where you're going with your money, Dan Hart Financial, they help do that. Bright Star Home Care is also a sponsor of our show. Bright Star, they help people who want to make the transition, who may have that difficulty in the future of living on their own, and they're getting to an age where they want to be self-sufficient, but they need some help. Bright Star Home Care helps people in that phase of life. Frank Enterprises, if you have a septic tank or you've got some, boy, I tell you what, as the taping of this show, you may have some water issues and you're outside of puddling and all kinds of water. We've had flooding as of taping of this show here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, Frank Enterprises helps you in your home in regards to outside stuff. If you need some irrigation uh, in regards to land drainage and septic systems, Frank Enterprises helps on all of that. And then Country Lake Christian Retreat Center, if you are looking for a place to take your organization to to help uh, build some team building and some uh, some momentum in your organization, Country Lake Christian Retreat Center, or if you have some children you want to get rid of for a few days during the summer, Country Lake Christian Retreat Center will help you do that. Okay, Tom, you know, you, you wrote this book through, through not through rose-colored glasses, but through colored glasses. That's yeah. right. You, you, and it's a fable. It's not just, uh, this is not a, uh, just a leadership book. Mm-hmm. This is a story. Yeah, it's a combination of fiction and nonfiction. And there's some other authors out there, like Ken Blanchard, who we mentioned earlier, uh, but also uh, Patrick Lencioni. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written some great books that really spoke to me because it was a dramatic uh, depiction of concepts that were powerful in leadership. And so I thought, now, that's a great formula, but why couldn't we do that with these biblical principles? Because if they're true, they're going to play out in any situation, even if God is not in the story yet, you know, uh, if he's not visible to the players in the story. Yeah. And so I don't really pull them in strongly until the end of the book. Uh, and so... Uh, so yeah, it's it's just a powerful way to learn, and I, I think I think when you have conflict and drama and and tension and suspense, it can tend to drive home a concept a little better than just explaining the concept. Mm, that's good. So and, and it's a short read for us guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a hundred pages long. Yeah, it can take you a couple hours with one plane ride. So so Tom, in your uh, toward the end of your book, you you got. Um, uh, addressing kind of the afterward, getting to the heart. And it, one of the things you say is, without a close walk with the Lord, um, we're going to look through life with discolored and foggy, kind of a foggy lens. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? We all have personality differences. We have things that have happened to us that have made us who we are. Um, we have biases. We have opinions. Some of our opinions are stronger than others, uh, depending on the topic. And we all have different outlooks. And, and we have so many things that make us unique in who we are. And that is sort of like wearing these, these glasses that are colored with our own hue that just match who we are. So we see everything through these glasses. I see everything 
in this world through my biases and my filters and my opinions and my personality and how I think God has wired me. And, and so, uh, so the concept is that everyone wears these glasses. And if we don't understand that, number one, we're going to be a square peg in a round hole. You know, we're, we're going to hit everything with the same size hammer, uh, and it doesn't need that same size hammer as a leader. And so uh, with, with this concept in mind, we can start to understand that, that other people see us through their own colored glasses, too. And we realize that we may not look as good as we think. <laughs> and I, I like what you say. Everybody has on a set of glasses. Mm-hmm. And they see the world, they see life, and they see people, and they see us differently than, than we do. Right. And as a leader, you have to understand that. Yeah, and there, there's another um, concept that was really powerful, and it's called the third-person leader. Uh, and the concept is that there is the, the first person is who I think I am on the inside. Uh, now, that's who I think I really am because I know all my secrets and all my, my issues. And then there is the second person leader who other people see, but this is who I think they see. So it's who I try to project. So the first person is who I really am. The second person is who I try to project because I might cover up some of these things. Mm-hmm. The third person leader is how people perceive me and how they see me acting. So it's through their glasses. The first person is through my glasses. The second person is who I think people see, but the third person is really who, the, who they see. So the, the challenge is to, is to uh, coalesce these three and to reconcile these three. And the only way to do that is, is to hold yourself up to, to Scripture and to Jesus to see you know, he was one person. He was the same in every situation. So. What you're really saying is many times we have a poor self-awareness. Yes. And we don't see things really as clearly as we ought. Exactly. exactly. And, and when you say, um, can, well, give us an example of a leader who, um, who just thinks he's right but his the folks who are following him just are not seeing the picture. I've seen it in real life. There was a leader that I was aware of who um, was pretty command and control, and you, it was obvious that he thought he was the smartest guy in the room, and he lorded it over all of us because, you know, in some ways he was smarter than we were, but uh, we all had our own opinions and that would not come out in the meeting, of course. Uh, but he had such a, a warped self-image uh, that he, whenever he made a mistake, he tried to cover it up and it was just so obvious to everyone and it kind of made him seem a little foolish. And so his, the image of him that other people had in the company was very different than what was in his mind about himself. And it, in the end, took him down uh, in the estimation of everyone uh, and really hurt the company. Well, you you talk in your book about a, a leader who tries to cover up their mistakes. Right. Talk about that a little bit. Well, a lot of times failure is embarrassing. 
And when we're le- in leadership, we think we, we shouldn't be embarrassed. We have a certain amount of pride. Pride, of course, is a bad thing. It's sinful, but we can't escape it, really. It's part of who we are. It's our sinful nature. And so uh, failure uh, as a leader really should be just a step. It's a step in our sanctification, meaning uh, our refinement as a person. It's a step towards success. You know, every time Babe Ruth swung and, and, and made a strike, he said that was just another swing toward the next home run. <laughs> you know, and so if we look at uh, failure and mistakes in the bigger picture, the bigger view, and we see ourselves a year from now, we should ask, okay, I'm going to picture myself a year from now. A year from now, is this mistake or this failure going to be that important, that big of a deal, or not? And if it's not going to really play much into the picture of my, my big picture, then I shouldn't worry about this mistake right now because it will pass. You know, you hear people talk about the news cycle. You know, someone gets lambasted in the news and they, they get embarrassed or they, they get called out. Well, they, they, they draw comfort from the fact that uh, the, the news cycle is fast these days. It'll be out of the news quickly and someone else's mistake will come up. And that's actually true. That's what happens in the real world as well. Our mistakes are covered up by other people's and sometimes by our next mistake. So we can always be comforted by the fact that there's a longer view in, in, in play here. But, you, but your, your passion and your heart when you think about le- leadership and biblical leadership is um, we ought to be able to just lay it out. You mentioned this example of this leader who you were in this company, and if, if he would have just said, hey, guys, um, I, I made a mistake, mm-hmm. and I had some real pride and arrogance and ego driving some things, I just want to own all that. Um, and I, I'm sorry for being puffed up and I, I have really failed in, in some leadership principles here. Yeah. What would that have done in your eyes? I tell you, man, that would make me want to follow him. <laughs> it's just the upside down of Jesus, really. It is. It is. Um, if he would have just humbled himself, which is humility, an incredible trait of, of leadership of a great leader is humility. It makes people want to follow you. Mm. Wow. Tom, we're going to continue to unpack this. We're going to take a break and come back with the author of Through Through Colored Glasses, Tom Harper, and we're talking more about looking through colored glasses and how we see the world. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul writes and says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Uh, We need some shedding of light in our eyes so we can see clearly. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like as a leader in your world, and if you're listening and saying, well, I'm not a leader, I don't own a company, I'm not a CEO. Do you have a wife? Do you have kids? Do you work next side by side with someone? Do you have employees? Do you have customers? Do you have people around you? Then you're a leader. We're going to come back and talk more about that on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you're just joining us, we're with Tom Harper. He is the author of Through Colored Glasses, and we're talking about leadership and being able to see clearly uh, ourselves and other people. And if you want to hear more of the show in its entirety, uh, people ask, well, I just caught a few minutes of your show the other day. Well, if you want to hear all of our shows straight through without commercials, go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, go to Facebook and just type in Solid Steps Radio and you'll hear all of our podcasts in their entirety commercial free thanks to our sponsors. And you can also go to furtherstoneministries.org and click on the mic. Uh, in First Peter, three times in First Peter, he writes, 
this phrase, to be sober-minded. And we're talking today, how can we be sober-minded in how we see ourselves and maybe how other people see us? So, Tom, um, I I think so many of us don't have a good self-awareness. We we don't understand how we're coming across. I had a leader uh, (laughs) to me several years ago, and we were having lunch together, and he he looked across the table and he said, dude, if you could just see your face right now, <laughs> do you have any idea how frightful <laughs> it is? <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I didn't. And he said, dude, you gotta, you, you need to, you gotta continue to work on self-awareness, but not just self-awareness, but really understanding, uh, Outward cues, you you call it in your book, outward cues can reveal the state of someone else's, you know, where their thought process and where they are. Talk talk about that a little bit. Well, the modern version of this is uh, body language. So if, like you said in your story at at lunch, you know, your face said it all. If you, if someone is leaning into you as you speak, they're interested in what you're saying. Uh, If they have some kind of pain look on their face. You, you know, you know what they're thinking. You know, we all we all apply these basic body language deciphering codes. You know, to when we deal with people, uh, and so. But then there's another level called micro expressions, and this is where someone had it's an uncontrollable expression that flashes across someone's face that uh, they don't think anyone sees, but it betrays what's really going on inside. And so now we're getting a little bit down to the next level of depth here on, <laughs> on the power of the face and body language. Uh, but even below this, on another level deeper, is, is the biblical realm, as we've been talking about. It is truth, uh, and it's a deeper truth because it's more than just, you know, an expression belies what's underneath, what's going on inside you. These biblical truths talk about what's going on inside the heart, so, for example, if you look at Proverbs fifteen thirteen, very simply, it says, "A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit." So, if someone has a cheerful face, they probably have a happy heart. All right. So that's where you start with with thinking this through. Heartache crushes the spirit. Well, what is what is a crushed spirit looks like? Probably a lot of different things. They're downtrodden. They're you know they're uh, they they look sad. They look stressed. Whatever. Um, you know something's going on. Uh, Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Um, So this is a different kind of body language. Over a long period of time, if you have envy in your life, it's going to have some physical effect on you that you're not even aware of at any given moment, Uh, but it builds up over time. And a heart at peace gives life to the body. So a heart that has Mm. peace inside, it just makes your whole physical being feel at peace. There's some chemical, uh, you know, activity going on inside our body, some, some hormones and enzymes, and I mean, you know, everything that our body deals with based on our emotions. And with, if we're stressed, a certain chemical gets secreted. If we're at peace, a certain chemical gets secreted. And, and so uh, modern science bears this out. Mm. So what, what you're saying is, as, as a leader, whether it be in the home, within your marriage, whether it's in a company or, or in a work setting or just in, in, in an athletic world or whatever, you're saying that we need to be really in tune to these verses that really are describing a person's life. Yeah, and there's a really important one that was groundbreaking for me 
Uh, it's in it's Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So there's two things in, in this verse. Number one, I need to be careful what my face says about mm. what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, because... And be aware of that. And be aware of it. So when you're in a relationship, you know, when you're leading your family, when you're with friends, when you're in a company, when you're at a church, uh, in a marriage, you know, be careful of what your face is saying without words. The second thing is that uh, my life reflects what's going on inside my heart. So what am I spending my time doing? What kind of language and wording am I characterized by? Am I gentle? Am I humble? Or, you know, am, am I in people's face a lot? Because the way that we generally act reflects what's going on inside our hearts. So you can pretty much trace back things like uh, aggressive behavior, anger, bitterness, jealousy, to something that's going on inside, maybe even a problem that, that you have uh, with God. You know, and certainly it can be traced back to other things in life like your childhood or uh, other biases that you have. But it's a really important concept to spiritualize this, not to go overboard spiritualizing everything that you see around you. But this is a, a, a real important concept to get, that the heart comes out through the face and through the words and through the life of a person. So, uh, you know, really... I. Y- it's this, it's this piece of uh, a leadership thing that I heard years ago, you know, seek to understand before being understood. And so and the, the, the greatest leadership, uh, or not the greatest, but a, a great leadership principle is really trying to understand what's going on in the folks that are around you and trying to discern that and determine, you know, their heart and their mind, not to judge them, but to understand. Yeah, because when you understand that there is something going on, even if you don't know what it is, you can be, you can be uh, empathetic with them, you can be patient with them, and you might draw out more of the truth that's inside them. Uh, one other trigger that, uh, that, that I notice with people is what I call verbosity, you know, that, that the, the flow of words coming out of someone. I'll choose one verse here. Um, the uh, Proverbs 10, 8, the wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Well, okay, if you're wise in heart, you'll accept commands, so you're going to be quieter. Uh, but if you're a chattering person, you know, chattering fool all the time, the end is you're going to come to ruin in one way or another. It's not going to go well for you if all you do is chatter all the time. That reminds me of the verse where, where words, words are, are many. many. Sin, Sin is, is not, not absent. absent. <laughs> I can I can point to you of things on my calendar where that has been true. I, one thing I got to go back to something real quick. Yeah. The guys are hearing these principles. You know how many times my face has gotten me in a fight with someone, pr- predominantly my wife. <laughs> Meaning, when I come at her, mm-hmm. and this makes for horrible radio. When I come at her with eyebrows that are like this and a face that just you're looks scowl- nasty, Chad, you're scowling. No matter what comes out of my mouth, it doesn't matter. She's already. Boom, ready for... That's right. And, and I'm like, if I would just approach it with so much more, uh, that is something, Tom, that's brilliant that you put that in writing because it's just a principle then that we overlook. So, Well, you know, and, and it really, I remember a leader years ago told me, um, hey, Kurt, when you get, when you're ready to preach, when you're ready to speak, Kurt, smile, mm-hmm. smile. The power of the countenance. You know, the Bible says uh, wisdom changes our very countenance mm-hmm. the, and the beginning of the you know the the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord you know uh, you know so when when we think about just smiling when i got into sales early on 
uh, I was in radio sales. And so when I first started my job, they said, here's your account list. And the sales manager dropped the yellow pages on my desk. Do our <laughs> listeners know what the yellow pages? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, And so I was just smiling and dialing and trying to drum up some advertising. Well, I learned from a trainer. He said, whenever you make a call, actually smile into the phone. Okay, so this is me smiling into the microphone. This is me not smiling into the microphone. This is me smiling. You hear a little bit of a difference, exactly. can't you? there is. Yeah. And it just changes your voice. Yep. Yeah, th- there's something powerful about smiling. There's something powerful about, you know, even laughter. I mean, again, the Bible talks about this stuff. The Bible yeah. talks about the joy of the Lord is your strength. Laughter is like good medicine. You know, I mean, there's something yeah. powerful there's about health and strength and confidence and courage and boldness that all come from good things. Yes. Yeah, one of the things before I um, actually and I asked my wife, uh, when I go to speak somewhere, I, I, I say, would pray that I'll have fun. Yeah. Pray that I enjoy this. That I'll have a blast. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. It does. And I think that's why some preachers, when they tell good jokes, I say good, they, they need to be good. <laughs> uh, before, they, before they get into their message, it just relaxes the entire room. Yeah. It takes some tension out of the air. And everyone is more apt to receive the message and to receive information and teaching. Yeah. So, so as a leader, all of these things are important. And when you see a, a person who you're, who's following you, uh, again, wife or children or right. workers, it's, it's, if it's what you see and it's also what you don't see mm-hmm. and you're trying to determine that. That's right. Yeah. And so there's one other area in, in that, uh, in that bucket. And, and this is, um, has to do with humility. And, you know, we all talk about the, the benefits of humility, the, the, the nobility of humility, so <laughs> to speak. You know, we all try to be it because it's a noble character trait, uh, which is ironic. But um, there's one verse, Proverbs eighteen twelve, and it says, Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. So if you look at the order here, uh, haughtiness leads to downfall. Humility leads to honor. So you got to... Be humble before you want to be honored. One of the great qualities of leadership. We're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. You know, Psalm 119, 125 says, I am your servant. Give me discernment. And that is a prayer given to us. That is a prayer we need to be praying. Give us discernment about how we are inside, so how we do on the outside. So we're going to take a break, talk more with the author of Through Colored Glasses, Tom Harper, on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final, unfortunately, segment. We're having a great time talking to Tom Harper, who is the author of Through Colored Glasses, and you can buy that on Amazon. It's a great read, short read. Um, you could read it in a couple of days, and uh, I guarantee. Couple hours. You, well, yeah, it depends on how fast you're reading and who you are. But it, this is one of those books you can read it, and you're going to have nuggets. I think a book is worth reading if you can take one sentence or one principle from that book and you never forget it. This is a book that has nuggets in it that you'll read the book, mine around, find that nugget, and you'll keep it with you for a long time. You know, so, okay, Tom, I, I, I just love this whole concept. I just, I'm fascinated as well with leadership and biblical leadership. Um, but one of the things that you talk about in, 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 one, in the fable, because this is really a fable, right. a story of, of leading yourself and the failure to lead yourself, and one of your one of your guys in the in the story is Leo. Mm-hmm. To tell us about some 
just real quickly, uh, how he failed as leading himself. Well, here's an example. I mean, th this is a, a, a summary of the setup. So imagine you are the CEO of multi-million dollar magazine publisher, and Leo's this character, okay? You took over the company three years ago uh, with a mission to turn around and make it profitable. You finally took a long-deserved vacation. You're on the beach with your wife, and you're enjoying your success, and suddenly you get this call, and it's the call you never wanted, and it's basically the call that says, this company is going down the drain and we're blaming you. How are you going to turn it around? And I got a call like that one day. Uh, it, it was an email, in the form of an email, but uh, it was a zinger. And I can tell you, it rocks, it rocks your world when you get something like that. And it brings in all the, the negative uh, emotions and, and it, it can take you down and it can actually make things worse rather than help you turn things around. Uh, and so this CEO <clears throat> has, a, has a mission to turn the company around, but also to save his job. Save his neck. Save his neck. But he's so proud of the position he's attained in his career that he's also saving his reputation. He also feels like he wants to save his marriage because his, his wife is already bitter about his job and how much it takes him away from her. And so now he feels like he's a failure in his marriage, in his career, in his reputation, and as a man. And so he faces failure on all these fronts because of his job, because of, of his failure in leadership. Uh, and so the story is how that uh, plays out, not just in his, through his eyes, but the eyes of his employees and how they see him handle it. And so by the end of the book, we have seen through all their eyes how he's dealing with this, and we realize that, that he is a mythical leader in his own mind. You know, he's been this hero in his own mind, but people see him as much different, and he realizes at the end of the book uh, what the truth is and what the truth is about himself as well. So, Tom, how, how do we as guys, how do we... Uh, you know, we talked in the break about self-leadership and how, whoa, uh, you know... That word self, even that that can be really we need to be that can be dangerous ground. Yeah. But biblically, you know, in a healthy way, in a Christ honoring way, how do we lead ourselves? Well, part of the problem with the word self is we immediately attach it to self help. Self help help books are more psychological in their foundation, more worldly. They're not biblical. Uh, usually, and they talk about just think about yourself being successful and you'll be successful. Just envision yourself and the, the universe will will lay it at your feet. And it's, it's not just wrong, it can be outright satanic in, in its self-focus and, and its focus on building up pride. You can do this. You can be anything you want to be. Just put your mind to it. And there's, there's a measure of value in that because when we're encouraged by others, we can feel courageous and bold and we can go accomplish things. Um, but as I started to get into leadership books when I was early on in my career, again, I wasn't a believer yet. And so I drank all this stuff in, you know, I, and, and since then, I almost feel like I've read too many leadership books mm -hmm. because um, there's a danger that when, whenever we read and we don't practice, we don't become. So if all I'm doing is reading books and I'm not practicing what I'm learning, I'm not gonna become the leader that I read about in, in the book that I want to be. 
Uh, and as I think you might have said earlier, Kurt, knowledge puffs us up. And if all we do is build knowledge into our head, we think we're this great leader, but if we're not putting into practice uh, and we're not doing it biblically, uh, then we're not going to be the leader we're supposed to be. There's one verse I want to pull out from 1 John 3.18 that hits this nail on the head. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And you can, you can add in lead. You know, let us not lead with just words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Mm. So as we love people around us, part of loving them is leading them in, in God's path and, and in his will and in his purposes. Uh, and if we're not acting like we're speaking, then we're not being true to ourselves or to the people that we're leading. So self-leadership really is pulling in God's truth and, and soaking myself, my, my mind, my heart, my soul in the truths of God's word and not reading as many leadership books, not uh, taking in so much head knowledge, but taking what's in my heart and living it out with the people around me and looking at how Jesus did it and following his example. It's really having this biblical framework of saying, Lord, help me um, to, to walk in your ways. And I, I love what you said. I, th- I don't know if you said this or if I read something th- uh, that you wrote, Tom, but it, it's, it's along the lines of even when I'm having a conversation with uh, other folks mm-hmm. and I'm leading, you're praying. Mm-hmm. You're asking, Lord, Lord, show me, guide me, help me as I'm having this conversation with this person. I'm not always the best prayer, you know, some, some, some guys have great discipline of praying in the morning for, you know, an hour. And when I get to my office, I'm like, okay, this is my prayer closet in the morning, I, early in the morning. And I, I, I take eight minutes and I'm so disappointed in myself. But then I realize that when I get to the end of the day that I prayed on and off throughout the day silently. And so even when I'm in a conversation, when I'm talking with you guys right now, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, give me the words to say. When I'm talking, when I'm speaking to a person, and I don't know what's going on, but I can tell something's going on, I quickly and silently say, "Lord, reveal something about this person to me, something to ask." And sometimes there's this tiny little nudge that I feel in a certain direction. It's not like this word or this this voice, but it's just like a nudge, and I start to have this thought about to ask him about something, and that turns into a really valuable conversation, and often gets a little deeper into what's going on with them. Mm. I mean, really what you're talking about is when you are leading yourself, it's really, I am following hard after Jesus. Yeah, walking with the Spirit, mm. following Jesus' example, walking in his steps. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, you know what John the Baptist said, may I decrease, may he increase. Right on. There's, there's this piece of leading ourselves that we are, what Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And what does that look like as a leader to deny yourself? That, oh, my there's goodness. There's a paradox. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because as leaders, we, we think it's grab the reins and we are in control and we are, you know, but in, in one sense, it's, it's denying ourselves. It's following hard after Jesus. Right, because when we follow after him, people see that and they follow after us because they're really following him. Yeah. Tom. It's been a blast. Our hour is up. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks but would you, would, you, would you pray for us guys sure. that we would be men who would have a, a better self-awareness and, and we would lead our homes, our families, our marriages, and our, our businesses and our work with, with a, the heart of Jesus? I'd be happy to. Lord, uh, I thank you for this time to discuss leadership. 
not just how the world looks at leadership, but how you look at it. And it is a powerful thing when we have truth on our side as a leader to have your concepts and your precepts and your truths in our minds and in our actions and, and in our faces. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I love your verse that you wrote in Proverbs sixteen two. You say, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. We know you weigh our motives, and this is a great reminder for us as we go out through our day today and tomorrow and the rest of our lives that you are watching. We ask you to speak into us, Lord, to guide us and direct us, give us the words to speak, give us the joy and the peace inside us so that it comes through on our faces and help us lead as Jesus led. Mm -hmm. We pray in his name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. you the bet. name of the book is Through Colored Glasses. Tom Harper is his name. If you go to Amazon, just type in Through Colored Glasses, and you'll be able to see that book uh, by Tom Harper. And um, he's got other books. And what's the name of your other book, Tom, the one that you mentioned earlier about? Leading from the Lion's Den, Leadership Principles from Every Book of the Bible. And so those are all can be bought on Amazon. And, uh, you know, it reminded me, you guys were talking about uh, kind of the upside down economy of God. Jesus said you have to lose your life in order to save it. And that wasn't just a matter of for salvation. It's a daily in, in leadership to lose your life in order to save and to gain. It makes no sense from the world's perspective. From our flesh's perspective, it makes zero sense to lose my life. But if I lose my life, I gain what God has to give us. And he's got a lot more to give than we do, right? Mm-hmm. So that reminded me of this book, uh, of these principles you're talking about, Tom. So thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. If you want to hear the show it's in, in its entirety, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes, and just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you'll be able to hear these shows in their entirety. Pass it along to someone else. And if you're listening to this, guys, you are a man of destiny, and that destiny to f- be fulfilled is through Jesus Christ. And we pray that you will do that and walk with him taking those solid steps with him. So we thank you for listening and we hope you pass it along to someone else and uh, to listen to Solid Steps Radio.